Becky Melby had to make the difficult decision to get out of a book contract due to some health issues she was having. And along with feeling terrible about letting others down and weighing out the financial impact, she wasn't sure what her life would look like during this sabbatical period. Questions she asked herself were, what if it isn't temporary? What if who I am changes because of this? She says she felt like she was losing her purpose. And so in this episode, she talks about her season of de-stressing, going through the what-ifs and the what-nows, and how God has been revealing himself to her, and how she's been finding the joy of a slower pace. Come on inside for episode number 182. On Life Repurposed, you'll find a blend of practical wisdom and biblical inspiration that's designed to help you navigate everyday life with faith, purpose, and hope. We focus on personal and spiritual growth with a range of topics from improving your relationships and discovering your purpose to setting and achieving goals, plus tools and resources to help you live your repurposed life. I'm your host, Michelle Rayburn, the author of books and Bible studies about finding hope in the trashy stuff of life. I'd like to introduce you to Becky Melby. She's a Wisconsin resident and the author of more than 25 fiction titles, including 10 books in several Guidepost Cozy Mystery series. She's also co-authored Spouse in the House, rearranging our attitudes to make room for each other. Married for 51 years, mother of four, and grandmother to 15, Becky thrives on writing, reading, camping, rides on the back of a silver gold wing, feeding chickens in her backyard, and time with family. You're going to learn more about Becky in this episode, but if you want to learn more in the show notes, I'm going to link to her website, which is beckymelby.com. So here's my chat with Becky. I'm so excited to introduce you to my my listeners and my readers. So I'm going to get started by asking you kind of a general question and then we'll get rolling on some deeper things. But we're putting this out right before Christmas. So I want to know as a boy mom to a boy mom, what is the most fun thing that you look forward to as you celebrate Christmas with your grown boys? A tradition that we started back when uh, I think we only had our first child was Christmas stockings. And we are now up to, I think there are 28 stockings hanging on our mantle. Oh, my <laughs> so goodness. That's one of those things that's like, it's so fun, but also stressful. So um, in the last couple of years, a couple of my daughters-in-law have stepped in and said, can I do some of the shopping for you? Or we'll help you fill <laughs> them because they don't look, I've got these gorgeous stockings that my daughter-in-law and her mother make and sell. They're they're beautiful, made out of their recycled sweaters and old like antique buttons. Oh, wow. I wish I could show you all a picture. Um, but they're they're just beautiful. They're lined, you know, they're they're wonderful. Compared to the old ones I had that had strings inside because they were embroidered on the outside. And then I'd be <laughs> in a hurry on Christmas Eve trying to fill them and things would get stuck on the string. So these gorgeous <laughs> stockings. But they don't look pretty when they're full. So it's it's this last minute thing when everybody's gathered to open gifts. You know, we read the Christmas story, then we do stockings, we hand them out. But it's this rush to get 28 stockings filled at the last minute. So now I've got my daughters-in-law jumping in and they're they're my elf helpers. Um, nice. I love handing them out. And and we don't do, we, you know, spend $10, $12 for each one. <laughs> so it's, it's their favorite candy and little trinkets and, you know, things I get at the dollar store. But 
it's just, you know, it's fun to, that we do that same thing every single year and everybody has their name on their stockings. So they, you know, they know yeah. theirs. And <laughs> oh my goodness. That's so cool. Do you hang them all up throughout the whole season then? Yes. Yeah. They're, they're hanging now. We've got 28 hooks and, um, <laughs> <laughs> I don't have yeah, a mantle, so I don't know where I'd put them. <laughs> oh, they're kind of jammed together. And, and, um, but yeah, they, they're beautiful. I love them. Oh, that's so special. So when my boys left home, I gave them their stockings and said, I'm not going to be filling these anymore. <laughs> that was that was a smart move, let me tell you. <laughs> Save yourself we, a lot of exhaustion and money. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Instead of um, buying gifts for everybody, we I get a little something for the grandchildren now because um, we have four. But I we're just we go away in over spring break. My boys are both teachers That's and teach great, at the yeah. same school. And so instead of buying every all the adults something, we just do this couple nights at a Airbnb. And that's like we're on our third year of doing that now. And I really like it because I really only have to shop for a couple of things and then the groceries. <laughs> so. Yes. Oh, that sounds wonderful. And it's not right at Christmas time when it's hectic. So. <laughs> right. Yeah. Spring break is a, a good time to get away. So our paths cross, Becky, as writers, and um, some of my listeners know that I've done a couple of compilations, and you happen to be in the Boy Moms one and in the recent Christmas one that came out, but mostly you write fiction, and I know from your story you've been doing that for quite a few years, and so I'd love to know just kind of a brief synopsis of what made you decide to start writing fiction. I started writing fiction when I was about eight. <laughs> my my dad would bring home these um, little tablets from uh, different companies that he worked with from work. And I would turn them sideways. So they opened on the left side. And I would I remember writing a story about um, the first Valentine's Day, which I just made up, you know, <laughs> and uh, didn't illustrate because that was not my forte. <laughs> and then... Uh, then, like through high school and college, I started writing poetry mostly and entered a few contests. And uh, well, actually, I think the thing that really spurred me on was in fifth grade, I had a poem that the teacher put a big red A plus, good job, and put it up on the bulletin board. And I'm like, you know, there's my <laughs> name on it. <laughs> this is my destiny. Um, but so then I was writing, you know, poetry. Um, in my probably 30s, I got into writing stories for Sunday school take-home papers. Mm -hmm. They, you know, that's a huge market, or it was at the yeah, time. Yeah, it was. And that was a great way to, to build up credit. So that helped me when, you know, finally got around to having time to, you know, to carve out time to write. I had always said I wanted to have my first novel pub published by the time I was 25. <laughs> and then, you know, four boys. Right. <laughs> four boys. <laughs> homeschooling, you know, and uh, so I think it was the year that I became a grandmother at, at 43 that my first book actually came out. And the way that started, I had a good friend, Kathy, who uh, back in the in the 80s and early 90s, there wasn't a lot of good Christian fiction out mm -hmm. there. Um, Love Comes Softly, you know, once if you're, you've read all of those, <laughs> there wasn't a whole lot. So we would exchange books. We, you know, I'd read one, give it to her. She'd, you know, read it and we'd, we'd trade them back and forth. Um, and she called me one day and she said, I just literally threw a book at the wall. 
She said that <laughs> the dialogue was so predictable. The plot was trite, you know. She said, how come you never asked me to write a book with you? <laughs> and, you know, my snarky answer was, you've never finished a sentence in your whole life. <laughs> because she was just one of these people that you had to, you had to quick catch up with what she was talking about because she'd interrupt herself. And <laughs> so we started brain brainstorming right there on the phone. And I said, well, I had this idea for a short story. And I told her and, and we just, we just started working together. I wrote one chapter, she wrote the next, and we get together for coffee and with our seven kids between us and uh, go to the park and read each other's chapters. We didn't know what we were doing. We <laughs> wrote out. Uh, by the time we it took us nine months to, you know, to birth our book baby, it was 75,000 words. And then we just took a writer's market book and started looking for places that took unsolicited manuscripts. Wow. Just started sending out, we didn't even know how to write a proposal, you know, this was, <laughs> this was going blind. And uh, we heard back from a couple publishers, uh, ne Thomas Nelson was interested, but then that kind of fell apart. And then we heard from Barbara Publishing and they liked our story concept. The only problem was that their word limit was 50,000. <laughs> so we were like, do we take the bird in the hand and cut a third of our book? And that's what we decided to do. So we went wow. off, um, went to a Bible camp that was uh, a college, I guess, that was closed for the summer and stayed in one of the dorms for a couple nights. And we just, you know, this was with a hard copy. This was before, yeah. you know, anything electronic. And we just took turns reading out loud and cutting and flashing and burning. And mm. it, it, we thought it was going to be really hard, you know, like these are our precious words that we're chopping off body parts. <laughs> But it, it ended up just being a hysterically fun experience and really the greatest editing um, learning tool I think that I've ever had is how you can cut unnecessary words. And then we ended up writing nine books together for Barber. And then I went on to do a few trade lengths for them and on and on and then and then moved on to um, Guidepost. Uh, most recently, I've been writing cozy mysteries for Guidepost. I love that example of even the editing on how it could seem like a challenge. Well, it is a challenge, but it can seem like um, something that would really stress somebody out. And you saw in the middle of that how it grew you as a person and as a writer. So I love that. So it sounds to me like you, writing has really been part of your identity like for your whole life. Is that fair to say? Very much so. <laughs> yeah, it's kind of because I, you know, I always feel like I, I got invited um, quite a few times with friends to go to a retreat where people would sit around and do their quilting and knitting while they were chatting. And I'm like, I can't do that. I can't sit with a laptop. <laughs> and I, you know, and I really don't have any other hobbies. I don't do gardening. I, you know, things. Um that's it. That mm. is kind of like my focus. It's and it's ministry as well as a job. Yeah. So yeah, a huge part of, of who I identify myself as. I actually have gone to one of those crafting retreats with a laptop. I used to do some of the crafts that I've set aside as I've done more and more writing. And so I actually have gone with a laptop and done some of my research while I'm visiting with people. So while you're talking. <laughs> I mean, if it's like, you know, research, not the really research would be different. 
yeah. So just having to look things up and study stuff. Yeah, I have done that. So that's been my way of kind of transitioning there. Um, so I know that recently something has changed in your life and you've had some challenges that have made you need to make some decisions about your writing. So tell us a little bit about what's been going on this year in your life. Well, as a lead up to that, I should say um, my oldest son had an autoimmune liver disease, was diagnosed in 2009, and just had a liver transplant. Thankfully, mm-hmm. I can hardly talk about it without choking wow. up in, in February of 22. So taken to consideration all those years of stress, so many calls from my daughter-in-law saying, Scott, Scott's in the ambulance, he's on his way to the mm-hmm. ER. We dropped what we were doing, drive to St. Louis. Over and over, this happened. And then uh, this last spring, um, my husband had open heart surgery in March for an uh, aortic aneurysm. So these are the stressors, the the background mm-hmm. yeah. <laughs> to my being diagnosed um, in, in this last spring with uh, autoimmune thyroid. And it, it's showing up as uh, exhaustion. Uh, I cannot handle stress, things that used to be just commonplace, mm-hmm. writing for two hours a day, for instance, uh, with the biggie, uh, suddenly became very stressful. And then I, I developed a heart arrhythmia. So I kept telling myself I can push through. I had one more book in this series to that I was committed to. And I'm like, I can do this. I just have to keep going until my April deadline, then I can relax. And then I had some more blood tests and follow-up tests that showed that things were not getting better, they were getting worse. And I'm still telling myself, I have a commitment, I can do this. Um, You know, I just have to say no to everything else. And I woke up one morning and it was like, my husband's a, a marathon runner, so I've heard about hitting the wall, mm. and that's what it felt like. I just woke up, and it's like, I can't. And, you know, I just remember lying in bed that morning and, and crying and praying and saying, but I'd already signed a contract. Mm. I can't get out of this, Lord. You've got to help me get through this. And I just felt him say, no, it's, it's time to stop. The word that God had given me for this year was slow. Mm. And I'd ignored that, <laughs> as we as women do. We, yeah. you know, we just um, and and the idea of disappointing anyone. So mm-hmm. I'd already gotten an advance, which meant my agent had taken you know her percentage. She'd have to pay that back. Um, my husband would have to give up you know mm-hmm. some of our plans for this this money. Um, I felt like a failure, and mm-hmm. even though logically I know this isn't me being lazy, this isn't me just yeah. saying I don't feel like it anymore, the guilt is still there. It's a, it's uh-huh. a heavy thing. And then the identity picture that you that you asked about: Who am I? <laughs> I don't garden. I don't. <laughs> I don't quilt. Um, who am I if I'm not writing? I mean, I'm praying this this season, mm-hmm. but I don't know how long, you know, to let my body rest and recover. And yeah, it's, it's an, been an adjustment. Mm. Yeah. So when you said that about your word being slow, that made me think, you know, like what, what prompted you, what prayers were you asking God when you were 
seeking him about what your word for the year was going to be. How did you land on slow? It just came to me. And probably, I mean, I'm sure it was the Holy Spirit saying, uh, you <laughs> you know, the Holy Spirit knowing my physical condition before yeah. I knew it. Yeah. And it, this is, you know, you have got to enter a season of giving yourself permission to say no, of resting. And I remember at that time just trying to think about being a little more deliberate in how I was going through my day, where I tend to rush. I tend to tell myself I have to or I should when it doesn't necessarily apply. Mm-hmm. Maybe, it, maybe it's, you know, from years of raising kids and you know, I've got to get this one to this practice yeah. and this one, you know, uh, all of those things you have to do. You've got to get a meal on the table for six people. And and that hadn't really gone away, even though I, you know, haven't hit at home for years. So that, just that habit of mm-hmm. saying, hurry up, got to get this done, have to, you know, I'll do this and then I can rest. And so I had tried already to start being a little bit more conscious of you know, looking at my list and does this need to be done now or can I put this off and uh, and taking naps. My husband's retired, so we both have that luxury. So I had implemented a few slow down things, but when it came to, you know, my writing, I would always, you know, just figure out what day I needed to start in order to get to my deadline and I always figured a thousand words a day, five days a week. And I didn't really allow myself uh, much of a break. And mm. I, in, a, in my writer's group, people would say, you know, they, they admired my discipline. I'm like, it's not really discipline. It's fear. It's like, I feel like this hound is biting at my ankles, you know. <laughs> you have to get this done. So there was, yeah, that constant have to, have to. You are on top of things, Becky, because the first time we collaborated was on one of my compilation books, and you were the one of the authors, you were the only one who would answer the email like that day. Or if there was a task to be done, it was in my inbox. I knew the first person who had these things done was going to be Becky. And so that is just, I can tell it's part of your nature to uh, that you have high standards for yourself and that you're organized and on task. And so I have a feeling there's some listeners who are here with us right now who can relate to that. And oftentimes I've discovered that when I'm struggling with what do I do in a situation where I feel like I'm going to let somebody down, I can speak that to somebody else. I can tell them what they should do, but I can't apply that to myself. Like, so I don't know, did you have to give yourself any lectures or how did you come to that point then where you said, Becky, you need to just try to get out of this contract? Yeah, I didn't give myself a lot of time once I made that decision and I really felt this is what God was telling me. I wrote a letter to an email to my agent right away because I knew that if I waited, yeah. I'd be going, oh, <laughs> Really, I can do this. You know, I can push my, you know, push my way through. And so I just jumped on it right away. But then she was so gracious. Um, my agent was wonderful, saying she understood and, you know, all of that. So that that helped a lot. But then knowing that she mm-hmm. would be writing to the editors and they would have to find somebody to jump in and take my slot and all of that was hard. But I did... I did have to stop and go, I need to give myself grace 
And that is not mm-hmm. something as women we do easily. I, mm-hmm. I totally agree with what you said. You know, if, if I had a friend come to me with this situation, you know, I would I would easily say, well, this <laughs> need, you know, it's the whole oxygen mask in the airplane thing. <laughs> you know, you can't take care of somebody else until you've taken care of yourself. I've given that advice. You know, I've counseled so many women over mm-hmm. the years. You take care of yourself. You've got to have self-care time. But to do it, give myself permission was hard and still is. You know, we're a couple months mm-hmm. into this. And, you know, I'm still feeling, uh, you know, the guilt and the shoulds and the, oh, maybe I <laughs> could have, you know. But I'm, you know, I'm finding mm-hmm. when just, you know, having my grandkids here to, to decorate the Christmas tree the other day, I did Everything simple. My husband set up the trees. I, I brought, all I did was bring up bins, got frozen pizza, you know, instant hot chocolate mix. <laughs> and by, still, by the time they left, I felt like I just had to lie down. So even the simple things, though, so I realized, you know, writing five days a week until April <laughs> might have landed me in the hospital. What are you learning now as you're going through this process? What are you discovering about yourself and what are you discovering about God? One of the things I'm realizing is that I've neglected relationships in this driven, (laughs) I could do one contract after another. Last year, I had three contracts due in April, you know, three deadlines Mm -hmm. in April, or I mean in Mm -hmm. September, excuse me. And, uh, you know, I just realized what has gotten neglected. I've tried to put family first, but some of my friendships were neglected. So that's one of those things that, you know, I've done a little bit more fun stuff with friends and and just being open, trying to start every day with, you know, Lord, what what is it that you want me to do today? What's important? What do I need to put on my to-do list? And And asking him to interrupt my day or to you know, show me who I can encourage. I, I was at a book signing not too long ago, one of those pre-scheduled things that I kind of had to stick with and uh, met a friend that I haven't connected with for a while. And she's like, do you think you'd have time to have coffee? And I'm like, I would have hesitated a, mm-hmm. a couple months mm-hmm. ago, like, well, yeah, if it's in the afternoon, you know, and if I can plan it in, and this was like, yeah, absolutely. Let's get together and, and talk. And, and we're going to do that on a regular basis. And uh, last night, you know, we spent time with friends. And, and I didn't feel stressed by it, if that makes sense. Um, yeah, it makes sense. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, I think that's the biggie is just asking God to order my days. Have you had any surprises? I think that's, that is the surprise is the the fun that I have with girlfriends that I've missed out on some things mm-hmm. that I've said no to uh, that that now I have time to do and I'm I'm trying to make sure that I do like one thing every day and not three or four things in a day so that mm-hmm. I have the energy energy to completely enjoy that one particular thing. I think about the goals that I had when I was younger, like you know, thinking I wanted to be one of those people who was retired at 50, you know, and like my writing really 
I'm in my 50s now, and my writing has really ramped up, like leading towards 50. So there's no slowing down right now. Um, so I have a feeling that some of your friends are retired, just like your husband is retired. So you're getting a little taste of what retirement might be like. Yes. Well, and I've had, my husband has said over the years, you know, you can retire. (laughs) I'm like, well, I never wanted to. That wasn't my Mm -hmm. goal. I just, you know, I I thought I would maybe slow down a little bit. But uh, I, yeah, most of our friends are retired. We have a camping group that, you know, we go camping and everybody in that group is retired. And then at times, if I was on a deadline, I'd have to spend the first couple hours every morning Everybody else would go out for a bike ride or a walk, and I would be in the camper <laughs> typing away. So uh, there are some, some wonderful things about slowing yeah. down. <laughs> you would be the person who would figure out a way to work on writing a book on the back of the Goldwing. Uh, <laughs> up here, definitely, in my head. <laughs> yes, yeah. but I, uh, Using all that time. <laughs> So we probably have somebody listening who's wherever she is at in her stage of life where she's really preoccupied with something and feeling as if she's going to let somebody down if she says no or temporarily closes a door to rest. What words of wisdom do you have for that friend who's in the shoes you were in six months ago? I want to echo what you said, Michelle. What would you tell a good friend in your same situation? And give yourself grace. You know, let let God order your day as, you know, rather than we, mm-hmm. we tend to have our little planner books and, and fill up our calendars and, you know, sit down with your calendar and say, God, I want you to be the one in charge of this. You're in charge of my calendar. You're in charge of, you know, my to-do list and and listen, you know, just when, when the mm-hmm. Holy Spirit is telling you to slow, um, pay attention. And, and give yourself the grace that you would give someone else. For me, that has included trying to be intentional where I'm at. So my life is pretty fast-paced in many ways, but I have said no to a lot of things. And the thing that I've really tried to protect is having a day of rest every week. And so I used to be one who had my laptop out on Sundays, even if I were sitting around watching a movie or something, my laptop was out, I was working on something. And I've really tried to keep that closed on Sundays now. And for some people, it's Saturday, or it's a different day of the week. But um, I don't even respond to emails from friends during that time, if I can help it just because it's, it really is what resets my mind. So as you look forward to really with a lot of questions, not really knowing what you're schedule is going to look like in the future, whether this is a six-month break, a one-year break, or whether you'll just decide you need to retire. But as you look forward, what are some habits that you would incorporate that would help to establish some of that balance that you say was missing? I do the same thing on Sundays. And another thing I've started doing is leaving my phone when I come downstairs in the morning. Um, you know, I'll, I'll check things on my phone before I get out of bed. And then trying to leave my phone on the kitchen table and mm. not have it in my back pocket all the time yeah. so that, you know, I, I have a very active prayer group by Bible study ladies. They're, they're just amazing. Somebody puts out a prayer request and then a ding, 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 ding. Yeah. And, you know, it's so tempting to just look every single time your phone things. Mm-hmm. But I silence my phone much more often and I, and I leave it on the kitchen table rather than 
having it attached to me all the time. Uh, so that's one of the things. And I think just um, planning simple things for fun. Um, mm-hmm. You know, I, I think at this stage, the way I'm feeling, having someone over for a big meal seems stressful. But having somebody mm-hmm. over for a bowl of chili and some cornbread <laughs> is is an easy thing. You know, people always yeah. ask what they can bring. You can uh, do something Real simple and just enjoy time with other people. We had some friends over recently for popcorn, some trail mix, basically, and a movie. And that was so much less stressful than if I had tried to plan a meal. Like I relaxed and enjoyed the whole thing. I just had to set the things out and, you know, make your own kind of a thing. So I love that. That's relaxing. One of the things that I've been trying to do is get in a mindset that I don't have to only go to a coffee shop to work on my writing. I One of my goals for next year is to do some Friday afternoons or something where I go to the coffee shop with a novel and I just go to drink coffee and read <laughs> because I always go with my laptop. And it's like, I enjoy that because it gets me out of my office, but it doesn't feel as recreational. So so that's one of my goals. You can ask me about that one, Becky, in a few months. <laughs> I'll see if I'm sticking to doing that. <laughs> yeah. Um, I love to share resources with listeners because it helps them to take next steps and really to connect with you deeper too. And I love the meditations that you've been putting out, some just thoughts on everyday life and what God's been teaching you in the Facebook group that you and several authors collaborate on. It's called uh, Fill My Cup, Lord. So tell me a little bit about that so that our listeners can get to know you a little bit. This started back in, I think it was 2018, a friend of mine had a uh, Facebook group and she felt God telling her she needed to move on to something else. So she had asked a couple of us, a friend of mine uh, lives near me, and I, if we'd be willing to take it over. And so we, you know, just kind of prayed about it and decided to ask other women in our local writers group if they wanted to take part. So it it just fell into place. We've had a couple of people who've had to move on, and we could we just easily found people to replace. It. Mm-hmm. So we have eight authors. Um, some are published authors, and some are. This is the only writing they do is the, their weekly blog day. And uh, the address at Facebook is Coffee with Girlfriends, and that's mm-hmm. um, that's kind of the feel we wanted to have. So. Uh, every day we have we have a devotional, and so my day is Friday. So every Friday I, I write something, and it's been it's such an eye opener how God brings, like you said, everyday things. We have chickens in our backyard, and they are an endless source of of life lessons. <laughs> and uh, just you know, so throughout my week, I'm constantly going, "Okay, Lord, what do you you know? What do people need to hear this week?" And uh, you know, I'm. This week I'm I'm writing about a failed batch of cookies. <laughs> That's going to be my post for tomorrow. I was uh, m- making them for a cookie exchange and they all burned. And it's like, oh no, oh, what do I? You know, I just felt like this moment of failure. And then I'm like, it's all healthy ingredient. It's stuff that's really good for my chickens. So I. <laughs> ran outside and, you know, and the chickens loved them. So it wasn't a waste. <laughs> I'd <laughs> redeem my cookies. Chickens. and But so every day, and we all have our different styles and our different outlooks on life. Um, but it's it's just, and, and then once a year, once or twice a year, we all try to get together 
And uh, some of us have you know, moved. One one friend is in Minneapolis area, another one's out in Virginia. And, you know, so when we can get together, it's just amazing. But we've developed this community of uh, of readers that will, you know, comment on a daily basis. And we get to feel like we get to know them uh, through that mm-hmm. group. So it's it's been fun and, and just a good ministry. I joined the group not too long ago, and I've enjoyed it. And so I will link to that in the show notes for the listener who also wants to join the group and um, give a shout out to Becky and tell her that you heard her on Life Repurposed and learned about the devotional group. Fill my cup, Lord. But at Facebook, if you're searching, it's going to be Coffee with Girlfriends. But I'll give that link. Becky also writes fiction. Actually, Becky writes some nonfiction, too. Um, I gave some commentary in the spouse in the house book that you did as a (laughs) co-author. So I have that one on my shelf. Um, But this is airing right before Christmas. So I'd love to have our listeners buy themselves a little stocking stuffer since we've talked about stockings and, you know, no one's probably filling our stockings. So you can go out and buy yourself a stocking stuffer. And one book that I would recommend is A Door County Christmas. That one is one that Becky did with four co-authors and they each wrote a novella in there and it came out a long time ago I before we went on the air I showed Becky that I own the original copy but it's since been re-released so um, Becky where where do people find that is that wherever books are sold they can find a door county Christmas Mm -hmm. okay so that one if you order it with your prime shipping or one of your rapid shipping you can have it in time for Christmas to put in your own stocking um do you have any other books or resources any of your fiction that you would want someone to get started with? Because I know you write a lot of books, Becky. Uh, well, at this time of year, I have another one called, um, Do You Know What I Know? And uh, Oh, yes. I've never yeah, seen that. So card. that's just a short read. It's uh, kind of a fun story. And that's available on Amazon. And all the books are available through my website, too. All right. So if, listener, if you're somebody who really enjoys the seasonal movies that come out at this time of year, kind of that really the warm fuzzy but with the everyday practical things that's really how i feel like becky's novels are the ones that i the the reading that i've done and the contributions that you've done in my compilations becky so for the listener um i encourage you to pick up one of becky's books just because it's so fun to unwind with a good book um becky do you have any parting words as we wrap up for the listener who is um either going through a difficult time right now at the holidays or really just struggling with trying to figure out what is my, what is my purpose, Lord, now that something has interrupted my flow? I guess I'd go back to asking God to order your time and, and your days. And it's so easy for us to compare ourselves to, you know, some superwoman we see on social media. Uh, the, the person we imagine just has it all together and our house needs to be as perfectly decorated as hers. And, and this is a time of year just, I think, to give yourself grace and just um, simple is okay. Slow is okay. And, and it's good for you. And I think if we can eliminate some of those have tos and shoulds, then mm. we can slow down and really just enjoy the, the season and the, the people that God has put in our lives. Becky, I want to thank you for spending some of your valuable energy with us today because I I have a feeling now you've used some of that adrenaline. And so I hope there's a nap in your future sometime this afternoon. It's a dentist appointment, isn't it? Next. Oh, no. (laughs) Not my, wouldn't be my ideal plan, but. 
There will be a nap. There will be a nap. And thank there you, Michelle. This is uh, I really love your podcast and and uh, thank uh, you. Get to know your listeners. So thank you for this opportunity. You're welcome. Thank you so much for being here. Listener, I will have the show notes, a link to Becky's website, the books we've talked about, so you can connect there. Thank you so much for being here, Becky. And I hope that we get to collaborate more on future projects. I hope so, too. Thank you. And Merry Christmas, everyone. You will find the show notes for this episode at michellerayburn.com slash 182. I'll link to Becky's website and her books there for you. I want to wish you a Merry Christmas and I will say Happy New Year, but there will be an episode next week as well. So we're focusing on wrapping up the Christmas season on the Life Repurpose podcast this week. And then next week, I will be back with some things looking ahead to the new year. And I'm in the process of thinking through what the themes are going to be for next year, for 2024, and thinking about some of the possible ways I can bring guests onto the show in a different way than what I've been doing. So watch for some announcements coming about that. But in the meantime, you have a wonderful time with your family and Merry Christmas to you. You've been listening to Life Repurposed. If you'd like bonus resources sent to your inbox each week, be sure to sign up at michellerayburn.com 